1: there are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
0: Chris Harrington joins us now. Chris, what are we listening to? That's
1: a Texas hop, an R&B instrumental by a guy named Pee Pee Wee Creighton in honor of the Grizzlies hopping over to Houston for one game before hopping back to Memphis.
0: When you first sent me the the YouTube link, I, my I just saw Pee Wee. I was like, "Are we really doing a Pee Wee Herman song?" But no, Pee Wee Creighton, very, very, very different than a Pee Wee Herman song. I wanted to discuss a couple of things that honestly, Mark and I had been talking about, some on the air, some off the air. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Does it seem? Because I'm of the mind, I feel like the Dylan return game, and I know it's not tonight. I know it's technically Friday. Does it feel like it's lost a little juice?
1: Well, I think because it's going to end up being the third time they played each other. Right. Um, it'll be the first time in Memphis. But it'll be the third time. And I think the Grizzlies um, have bigger concerns than, like, you know, Dylan Brooks right now. And so, I you know... What? I think, I hope I think, they do. Right. So, I think if it were early in the season against a, um, you know, a, a full-strength normal Grizzlies team in a normal situation in the standings, it would be more of a thing. Um I just think you know, and if it wasn't right up against like the jaw return, like right before the jaw return, and also isn't um, jaw
0: scheduled to speak on Friday?
1: I don't think that has been publicly said. Okay, um, so I perhaps if that has been publicly said, I've missed it. I emphasize publicly. Um, I and. And so, like, you know, there's just so much other stuff. It's not it's not set up for maximum, like, you know, spotlight, you know, in the way it could have been in, in a different sort of schedule set up.
0: What type of reception do you think he's going to receive?
1: Oh, I think he'll get booed because, you know, which is fine. Like, I don't think that's, like, a great crime against humanity when, like, a visiting player gets booed. Um, I think he'll get booed mostly. A mix of boos and cheers, but he'll get booed. And, and and honestly, my thing is, and I, if I write about it, I may write this, like booing Dylan Brooks really is to honor Dylan Brooks. Rare among of, among players, he is a self styled villain. It is like, it, 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 in some ways it feels to me like booing Dylan is it, 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 to honor him. It, it, it is, it's to it's recognize to, the work. It, it is the proper way to appreciate him when he is the opposing player.
0: Well, it's like, I don't know, like one of my big complaints in the last like 10 to 15 years of wrestling is, Heels have now like started to get cheered. And it's like, I still believe in the idea of good guy versus bad guy. I want my heel to have
1: heat. Like, yeah. I, I, that's, yeah. I want him to be booed. So I believe, I basically believe in booing Dylan Brooks, but I don't believe in booing Dylan Brooks out of actual anger. I believe in sort of appreciative, performative booing of Dylan Brooks.
0: Yes. No, it, it's an acknowledgement of, of, of the work that he's done. I, 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 I right. think that's, that's how I feel. Do we expect, is there going to be, one of the questions, is there gonna be a video? Like I have no idea.
1: I, I think there should be. I don't there probably won't. But I think there should be. Um I I you know, there's certainly lots of material. You can do a hell of a Dylan Brooks video. I think that's kind
0: of the problem. The video that I want is not the video that would get done. Right, right, right. right. Like I, I want the I video mean, that tells the whole story. The good, the bad, everything in
1: between. Well that's true. That would be in some kind of video too, right? Yes. Um you know, but there's no video of him ducking out on like post game media right. in the playoffs after after they lose. Like it's sort of you know, um, but you know you, you could definitely do a video with him, like you know walking down the hall in his you know Stone Cold Steve Austin get up or Absolutely. whatever, and you know wearing his you know, whole King of the North routine after in Toronto and like there, there's a the lot Draymond kiss, there.
0: the the Draymond the game from last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that little headbutt.
0: Yeah, thing. I I I'd I, I need that on there. Uh, yeah, I, that's kind of the other things I want what do you make of the type of year he's having?
1: I think he is having an ideal so far, ideal Dylan Brooks season, which is he's not doing anything that he that he was incapable of doing. He's doing what sort of I think we wanted to see and we have seen in spurts. Like, you know, Dylan Brooks has had stretches with the Grizzlies where he's played like this. And all so there's always been like, you know, the the terrible shooting slump right around the corner. And maybe that's right around the corner for him this season in Houston as well. But he's playing great defense because that's what he does. Um, and he is, he is you know, down. I don't know. I haven't looked at their, their their stats. But he's probably third or fourth in the pecking order in terms of shot attempts per game, I'm going to guess. And he's shooting a really decent percentage. And, like, this is what you want from Dylan Brooks. And it just the Grizzlies the last couple of years were not able to, to lock that in in any consistent way, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I was trying to see based on shot selection, but I think you're right. I mean, that's it. It, it feels like the version that everybody wanted to see. Like you're you're finally seeing it now. Uh, another thing that I was looking up because I was I was reading through the game notes that Ross Wooden sends out, and he does an awesome job. Like Ross is ex- ex- awesome at game notes. But you had mentioned this yesterday, and it really stood out to me. When Jaron, I looked this up. Jaron's had three 40 point games. All three have come in losses. And this year, like if you look back even like the last few years, like if Jaron scores 35 or more, I think they're all in losses. I'm not saying, hey, Jaron doesn't need to score offensively, but I feel like to your point from yesterday, it really demonstrates the need that when he is the number one offensive scorer, that's not necessarily the best form of the Grizzlies.
1: Well, I, I think it's sort of a. I think it, 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 you get sort of a chicken or the egg thing. It's like they're not struggling because he's scoring. Right. He's scoring a lot in part because they're struggling. And It's sort of a byproduct of a. He's got it going because he's not going to, you know, have that kind of night. He doesn't have it going, but he but he's forcing issue and taking more shots because they're not getting it from other places. And so, you know, Jaron is not the the natural first option, and so you know it's almost like on nights when he goes big like that it's sort of they're struggling uphill and he's sort of you know nothing else is working and he's forcing the issue and trying to get up more shots and so it's almost a byproduct of the team struggling
0: well and then i do think it also kind of it kind of displays what we were talking about yesterday it's like oftentimes when he's having to put that much effort on the offensive end yeah, i feel like right. it takes away from the defensive end and he no matter how good he is offensively i feel like peak defense is always going to be better than peak offense for him
1: no, I feel like, and I want to be clear, I'm making a stylistic comparison, not a qualitative comparison sure. here. Let's make that clear. It, it feels like within the context of, you know, John Morant, Desmond, Bain, Jaron Jackson, Core, like, you know, Jaron needs, you know, you know Brooks. You, you used to make this comparison of, uh, like, of of the Miami Heat, uh, LeBron Heat, right? And he's one of the Core guys or whatever, and he was quasi-serious about it. Stylistically, if you make that comparison with this team, Jaron needs to be the Bosch. Yeah. Bosh was the, the third option who was sort of the anchor of the front court defense and, like, was a great player in that kind of context. And I feel like that's sort of the best context for Jaron, you know, with, with John Moran and with Desmond Bay. Uh
0: Finishing up the Dylan point, he is fourth for the Rockets in field goal attempts per game. I mean, at, yeah, 10, and, at what, 10 and a half. Is
1: what he's, yeah, which is what you wanted him to be with the Grizzlies. And honestly,. And this is, you know, I'll go back to reflex my, my, my defending Dylan Brooks muscles, which I used a lot when Dylan Brooks was a member of the Grizzlies. If you go back last season when he actually played with John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jared Jackson, he was fourth. The problem was they just couldn't get those three guys together. Houston's had their top three guys together basically every game of the season. Yeah. And so Dylan Brooks has been the fourth option. Dylan Brooks was not the fourth option in Memphis for in large part because – the top three were not there at the same time pretty much ever, and so that sort of pushed him up the pecking order game by game, even if in a broad sense he was fourth. In individual games, he was at fourth because one of those other three guys was never there. No, I mean, I, I would even
0: argue this because I know this was a big point for you last year with the Kings and and how much they got to play their projected starting right. five together. The, the five that have played the most minutes of Seguin, Jalen Green, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Everyone has played at least 20 games together, and they're all averaging yeah. over 30 minutes.
1: When a team, and, it's, and so far this season, we'll see if it holds up, but so far this season, like Houston's kind of the Sacramento of last season. Yeah. When a team does that, a lot of times, take a close look, It'll be that'll be one of the main reasons it's happening. And, you know, do they keep that good fortune health-wise all season? I don't know. If they do, like, maybe they will be a playoff team. But I think for them, it requires that. Like, Like, they're not good enough to, to overcome a bunch of missed games by star players and still be good, the way the Grizzlies were the past two seasons, the Grizzlies aren't good enough to do that this year. Um, but but you know Houston, that, that's sort of what Houston is. They, they they've they've been fortunate to, to have you know they made some good some good off season moves for veterans. Some of the young players got better, but then it's really like everybody's been healthy all season. Uh, another
0: note that Ross points out is the Grizzlies have started shooting the three ball better. I don't really know what to do with that is that the byproduct of that's really the best way that they have to score right now uh, you know is, is to take a bunch of threes or I, I, is it I, go ahead no you go ahead is it or is it to me is it like numbers kind of bearing out like they start you know they they sh- they they probably weren't as bad shooting the three as they were early during the year but now now the numbers are starting to kind of even out.
1: I I feel like I mean they 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 put an emphasis on three point shooting all year I think because they feel like the they, they're they going to score they're other, to steal otherwise. points yeah and so I I think three point shooting tends to fluctuate more than other things uh, deep opponent three point shooting unfortunately has not fluctuated a lot for the Grizzlies this season not at all but three point three point shooting tends to fluctuate and so it, to me you can look at that and just look at Jaron I mean Jaron shot the three ball great in the last four or five games. And the team has, and then there was a stretch before that when he was shooting like, 25% for a couple weeks. And so, like, in some ways, like, if you know that, like, Desmond Bain is generally going to be good and some other guys are generally going to be bad, Jaron is the guy who, like, can be all over the place. He can have a week where he's great, and he can't have a week where he's terrible in terms of three-point shooting. in is the audio
0: platform with something for everyone.
1: What have you made of Conchar the last few weeks? I think he's gotten back to being Conchar. And, you know, good Conchar is your fifth best guy on the floor. He's your ninth or tenth best guy in your rotation, but that's the good version. Yeah. Um, but, but when he is that, when he is the good version, he's totally fine as the fifth best guy on the floor and the ninth guy in the rotation or whatever. And I think the last couple weeks he's gotten back to being that. Um, there was a long stretch where he was worse than that. But you know, a good con- conchar game is not jumping off jumping off the bench to give you twenty. A good ch- conchar game is jumping off the bench to give you eight points and six rebounds and two steals, and your your plus you're, you have a positive plus minus. That's a good conchar, and so hey, I think he's gotten back to being that. But you know, with him, he has to have that effort, that effort to sneak in and get those rebounds, those effort to get to those loose balls. He's got to be, you know. He's got to be playing with sort of that sort of edge, not the same kind of edge like a Dylan Brooks has, but like that Contra edge of like you're really hyper alert all the time. As we inch
0: closer and closer to Jaw's return, what are in your mind? What are some of the like the biggest evaluations to make once Jaw actually returns?
1: Uh. Well, I mean, I think you start with, 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 your, with your core trio and, and getting them sort of all playing well together, which has not always been the case. There's a yeah. no long history of like wondering if like the Ja-Jaron thing is being maximized as much. I, I think figuring out the, the Ja-Dylan stuff in terms of – or the Ja-Dez stuff in terms of how much you played them together and how much to toggle them. That's yeah. what we've seen. The Desert Bane can basically be your lead ball handler. But I think beyond that, it starts with Marcus Smart. Like, I think a lot of people look at the Marcus Smart trade with sort of regret now, and that might be right, but I just think we don't know. To me, it's an inconclusive on that. And so you you start to judge, you start to evaluate that when you have him and John Morant both in the lineup. And so you see how he fits both, like, in starting lineups with, with or in lineups, whether it's starting or not. In lineups with Morant and Bane, you play those three guys together, that sort of a three guard look at how that works, which I think was the idea of trading them. And then you see how it looks I mean, over the course of the flow of the game. Can Marcus Smart, you know, be the sort of de facto backup point guard type, or is it really just like you're, you're, you're alternating Morant and Bane? and Smart's more of a secondary guy off the ball guy whenever he's on the floor. That might be fine, too. But I think, I think, I think the evaluations sort of have to start with Marcus Smart. That's like the most important guy left after the top three.
0: Another thing with Smart, though, that, that I'm curious about, can you get like a complete picture? One of the fears, at least that I have, even before we knew that Steven Adams was going to be hurt, was the ideal lineup of playing Ja, Dez, Marcus, Jaron, and presumably Steven, it's very small on the perimeter. But you had yep. you have Jaron and Ja in the middle, or bigger pardon Jaron and Steven Adams in the middle, to to maybe account for that. Without Stephen Adams and presumably either you know Bismack or Xavier Tillman, you know essentially smaller smaller fives. Does that does getting like a complete evaluation of how that looks? Does that make it more difficult?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you know, you're not going to have Stephen Adams back, and you can't approximate Stephen Adams. You know, Bionbo B- 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 doesn't really do it, and Tillman doesn't really do it. So in some ways, trying to judge how things would look with Stephen Adams is going to have to be a theoretical thing. Yeah, um, I'll be interested to see – You, know, I mean, look at how they closed the game against Dallas. And they came up short, but it, I, I didn't feel like they had the wrong lineup on the floor. I felt like it, it was, maybe it was the best thing for them to do is they closed with basically their three scrappiest guys in Vince Williams, John Conchar – and David Roddy with the two stars. Well, like, add John Morant to that, and then add Marcus Smart to that, and, like, you know, keep one of those guys. Because you get in situations where you're closing with, you know, where you're really small, but you're scrappy. You have you have offensive firepower, and you're scrappy. And you're closing with, say, Morant, Bain, Marcus Smart, Vince Williams, Jarrett, like that kind of thing. And, like, yeah, you're small, but, like, you got your two, like, you know, Guy, most guy, The dog in them guys out there. Peskiest start, defenders, Williams, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're two like you're two most aggressive and, and like defense-first guys. They're supplementing your three stars you're running your offense through. And that that idea of just putting defense and scrap around your offensive core, you know, instead of like, you know, Zaire Williams or whatever, you know, or Zafi Aldana even, like, you know, and those guys are longer and more skilled and higher upside but if your offense is going to go through your stars, maybe just you know, you're best off with just your best defensive, scrappy, rebounding kind of guys with them. I mean, I, mean, I bet, you'll bet you'll see that some. I think that'll be interesting to see.
0: At this point, like, what's the what's the risk in not trying it? You know
1: what I mean? Vince, Vince Williams, I don't know if this is still true. I bet it is. But when a I, I, week ago when I wrote it, it was true. Vince Williams had the highest defensive rebound rate on the team. He's 6'4". I, th- I and think so, you're like, still you know, correct, yes. Right. And so... On one hand you're saying you're small, but on the other hand you're saying what do you need? You need defensive rebounding. Like the six four guy is the best one you have.
0: I'm trying to see. I, I cause I looked that up as well. I'm nearly certain. In terms of uh, I mean, he's getting so he's getting three a game in only fifteen hey, minutes. I I'm, like I'm how, not, that I'm has to be. Cow-
1: I'm not talking about coward. No, but numbers. I'm saying I'm like, like three in fifteen yeah. minutes,
0: that has to be Yeah. Because then you look at everybody else; it's like you know, four rebounds, and everyone's playing at least twenty-four minutes.
1: Yeah, again, a week ago, he, his defensive rebound rate, like percentage of defensive rebounds you get when you're on the floor, was the highest on the team. Uh, I he got nine off the bench, you know, in the Dallas game. So I suspect that's probably still true.
0: Yeah, even if you do per thirty-six, uh, Shaq Harrison in his three games and uh, G G Jackson are ahead of him, but that yeah, yeah. Th- that, obvi- th- that 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 obviously. Doesn't count. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts. Um, who could have ever foreseen
1: Draymond getting in the headlines again? I mean, it's just it's just constant at this point. I mean, he's been crazy, and he's been wild. But at this now, like, if you go back since the start of last season, let's see if I can remember all this. He punches out a teammate. Mm-hmm. He, he stops on a player, stops on the chest of a player, laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. He chokes a guy out on mm-hmm. the floor. And then he does, he, he, it was more a slap than a punch, but it was a literally a full, it was like a discus slap, wind up across the face of a guy, and I don't, like, how much, I don't even remember, how many games did he get for the Gobert thing? It was like two, right? No, 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 it was five for fighting. His,
0: his, fifth, his fifth suspension. Oh, was it five games? Five, and he literally got five for fighting. That's what I, I,
1: loved it. Okay. All right, so five for the Gobert. It's gotta, it's gotta be more this time, right? Sure. It's gotta be double, <laughs> right? I, I, I would. If it were me, yes. If I if I if I if I'm Adam Silver, the number his number's, numbers got to go up every, with every incident, and I, and I don't mean go up by one. Yeah, you know. No, I I told Jeff this.
0: I oftentimes get very annoyed that when any type of discipline issue arises, the the Grizzlies chorus of "But what about Ja, What about Ja? I get very annoyed by that. One thing that I do think is actually similar in this is. I believe part of the reason why Ja got suspended 25 games was they can sugarcoat it all they want. He was brought into the principal's office and they told him, "Don't do this again." He did yeah, it again uh, yeah, within within yeah, a factor within yeah. months, or whatever you know, six weeks, two months. I, I forget the exact timeline. He did it again, and so they made a statement. All of the language about the last Draymond suspension was very similar. It was repeat offender, past history. Like it was all the hallmarks. Why? Why would this not be subject to the same type of scrutiny? Because again, it's in within you know the last month or two, he, he did it again.
1: No, I, and, I, and I'll be surprised if it's not more than the five it was. I, I think there's such like a, like we're not on an island in this discussion. I, I think it's I think across the board, people are looking at this. People within the NBA, other players. Like I, I, I think it's so clear there's a problem here with his behavior, this constant behavior of his. But I, I think I don't think the NBA can do another five games. I think it's got to be. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be twenty or whatever, like you know, like the job, the job stuff. But I bet it's. I bet it's more. Is it eight? Is it ten? It should be.
0: I mean, at the min, like for me, it's like the minimum. It should be double. Like it, you got spending five games for doubling it up. Like here's ten. I feel like the only argument against it is. Well, who says that that's going to deter him? And it's like, well, I don't care. Like he should still get the suspension. Like just because you don't believe in your heart of hearts that it's going to that it's going to have an impact, like that doesn't mean that you should be absolved from actually getting punished.
1: Yep. No, I agree. I I, I, I think the gray the gray act has grown way tired, and you can't. I mean, when when something like that is isolated. Like it's like, you know, it's in the flow of play and you can wonder about it and like Zapruder film it and try to figure out intent and all that. But he's he's just way, way, way past that kind of stuff at this point.
0: Yeah, it's like what what why are we Zapruder filming it to give him the benefit of the doubt? Like at a certain point, like shouldn't shouldn't the past kind of matter? Like you know, I, that's kind of always been my biggest problem. All right, Chris, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone